0: regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of Bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards i'm glad you're with us on the program today uh coming up on the program we're going to be talking with jim wallace of the gun owners action league about the attempts in massachusetts a couple of towns in massachusetts to try to ban gun stores from uh, even opening their doors. In some cases, there there aren't even any gun stores in town, uh, but you've got towns that want to make sure that that remains the case going forward. Uh, again, we'll talk with Jim Wallace about that. Uh, momentarily. Do, uh, however, at least want to mention, we're going to be spending more time uh, on this topic tomorrow, but uh, the first executive action from the Biden administration, at least the first proposed executive action from the Biden administration, uh, released late on Friday afternoon, the Department of Justice unleashing its... Proposed rule dealing with homemade firearms, trying to redefine what a frame and what a receiver is Uh, under the terms of the Gun Control Act of 1968. There is a 90-day public comment period that is underway now, Uh, and uh, you can submit your public comments. We're going to tell you how to do that uh, at BearingArms.com, and we'll again be talking more about this on tomorrow's program. But uh, in uh, previous attempts by the ATF to try to Uh, you know, redo their rules and regulations. They've been met with a flood of opposition on the part of gun owners. I I expect that that is going to be the case here as well. Uh, However, the uh, Biden administration may very well choose to ignore uh, what uh, gun owners have to say about these new proposed rules and the uh, danger uh, that they could pose to our firearm freedoms. And of course, those rights are under attack right now. Really, like no time in American history. I mean, from the gun bans proposed by the Biden administration, the gun control bills introduced in Congress, the uh, uh, executive actions undertaken by the administration, the state level attempts to go after our, and, our right to keep and bear arms. This is a priority uh, for Democrats right now. And the fight begins when you text join SAF to 474747. The Second Amendment Foundation is standing strong in defense of your Second Amendment rights, but they need you involved as well. So again, text JOIN SAF, J-O-I-N-S-A-F, to 474747 to pledge your support and become a Second Amendment first responder. Now, let's turn our attention to uh, today's main topic, the attempts in Massachusetts to ban gun stores from opening their doors. Jim Wallace with the Gun Owners' Action League, Join us to talk about it. Take a look and a listen. Jim Wallace with the Gun Owners Action League in Massachusetts. Thank you, sir, for coming on the program today. Hey, as always, welcome to the Second Amendment Battleground State. Man, and it is a battleground state. I mean, you've got folks who are waging war not only on gun owners, but on gun stores as well. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about this uh, in, in Newton, Mass., for uh, a few weeks now. It looks like Wellesley, Mass., is trying to join in the fray as well. Uh, but, but Newton is interesting because there was a gun store that actually had rented a location. They had their sign up on the front door. And then people realized, oh, no, there's a gun store coming to town. And they... Jim, I mean, you got hundreds of people who are demanding that the, the city council do something to keep this store from from opening its doors for business.
1: Yeah, you, you know, it's really sad when you read some of the things that these people are saying uh, about the Second Amendment community in that, you know, we supposedly bring crime to the neighborhood and children would be unsafe in the neighborhood around a, a firearm retailer. And there's evidence that of all this, and it's where? What, what are you talking about? And the only, you know, Cam, I'm starting to call it what it is. It's bigotry. It's, it's just flat out bigotry. They don't know us. They hate us. They don't want to know us. They don't want to know the facts. You know, I, I would never claim that what the Second Amendment community faces is close to what minority communities faced, you know, forever. But they're starting to see some similarities in the way that they're treating us in that we don't want you here. Go away. We don't care what you have to say. We don't care what the truth is. We just hate you. And if that's not bigotry, I don't know what is.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I would argue, too, that, you know, minority gun owners are, are are <laughs> you know, more likely to face that type of bigotry. Uh, As well, they don't like gun owners, but, uh, you know, if you're a black gun owner, if you are a uh, Asian-American Pacific Islander gun owner, if you're a Hispanic gun owner, uh, you maybe get a double dose uh, of that type of bigotry. And it's, you know, what what kills me, Jim, is you mentioned this quote. This is from uh, CBS Boston. Uh, One resident said this is a densely populated community with young children and families that live around here. So we don't think it's safe to put a gun shop here. There is literally a marijuana dispensary like right next door to where <laughs> this gun shop is opening up. Now, look, I- I'm all in favor of, of legalizing cannabis, but I'm also all in favor of ensuring that our right to keep and bear arms uh, is uh, protected as well. And it just seems odd to me that you would have parents saying, look, we have kids around here. We can have a gun shop right next to the pot shop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a problem with one, yeah. shouldn't you have a problem with both of them? Well, well, the the sad thing is, is one is a civil right, and one, uh, I mean, there are people that are arguing it's a civil right for cannabis, but whatever. But one is very clearly a civil right. Uh, but again, it's it's not in our neighborhood. It's and the politics of two A has become so bad in mass that it, it's just rearing its ugly head for what it is. They they don't want to hear the truth. Um, and if if gun retailers, farm retailers, stores attract anybody. It's the best of the best. You know, we've been vetted so much in Massachusetts just to become a gun owner. Criminals don't go to gun shops. They don't hang around gun shops. They're going to get arrested. Uh, You know, they're going to get charged and and all kinds of things. So it's it's just, it's sad. Now, Newton itself, from what we're seeing, they just want to zone it you know, probably to two square feet in the back corner of the city somewhere. Mm-hmm. Wellesley just flat out said, no, we just don't want you in our town. So Wellesley is taking a different approach. They're just saying, no, you can't be here, uh, which I'm not sure they get past the Commerce Act on, but we'll see. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I, I noticed uh, in uh, the Gun Owners Action League's piece about this. You quote uh, Jason Gita, who is the attorney for the the Newton Gun Store owner, and he says it's outrageous that politicians are manipulating zoning laws for political gain. He says, I'll continue to fight for my client and other law-abiding citizens who are being subject to this kind of self-serving, unethical political show. Uh, And good for him. I mean, I I, I hope that if this uh, uh, town council there in Newton tries to prevent the store from opening up, I hope that there is uh, legal action here. But but you're right. I mean, Wellesley trying to just ban gun stores outright. There are no gun stores that are open in Wellesley right now, but they want to make sure that that, uh, that that doesn't change in the future. I don't know if you've got any uh federal law out of the first uh, uh court of appeals but I know that you know when Chicago's handgun ban was struck down back in 2010 Jim the city of Chicago in its revised gun control laws tried to ban gun stores entirely they were sued over that they lost that uh uh that fight in the 7th circuit court of appeals now it may be sort of a, a paper win for the Second Amendment advocates because there are, still aren't any gun stores open in the city of Chicago. Um, but the Seventh Circuit has ruled like, look, you can't as a town just declare that gun stores can't open for business. Is there the potential for legal action here in uh, in either Newton or Wellesley, you think, going forward?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think there is. You know, we're going to have to figure out or find out um, exactly what they're going to do. And as you know, because you've covered this stuff forever and and it's hard to explain to our members that we actually have to wait for somebody to be technically harmed mm-hmm. or we can file a lawsuit because the court's going to say, well, who's been harmed? So no, technically nobody, even though the ability uh, has been taken away, an individual person's ability hasn't been taken away. So we always have to go uh, go down that route. But, you know, Massachusetts, especially around the city of Boston, has been famous for this. Uh, You may recall years ago, it's got to be 10 years ago now, that uh, there was one gun shop left in the city proper uh, of Boston in Jamaica Plains. And the bulk of this person's uh, business was Boston police officers. But Mayor Menino, when he was still around, did not want a single retailer in the city. So he actually, when uh, because Massachusetts, you have to have the federal retailer and the state retailer license. And when the the fellow's state retailer's license came up, the mayor pulled the Swifty and held up his uh, license renewal on purpose so that technically he was selling guns without a state license. And then what they did was say, well, if you agree to close your shop, we won't press all these criminal charges on you. So even though the people he was selling to were predominantly police officers, yeah. um, You know, so it's it's just it's amazing what they will pull. And, of course, we've seen what the attorney general will pull here uh, to get her way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maury Healy could be a whole other topic for another day. Um, Are are, are you concerned at all? I mean, so you've got Newton, you've got Wellesley. Are you concerned that there are going to be other uh, towns or cities in Massachusetts that, That try to do the same thing that uh, I mean, because you mentioned Boston doesn't have any gun stores left, although they don't have a formal prohibition on any gun stores operating inside the city limits. But is is this um, are you concerned this is going to become a trend?
1: Yeah, well, this is actually not this particular uh, tactic, but we see this almost every spring because that's when you have these the town meetings, the town warrants, the city ordinances, you know, all come up for either review or petition. And one of the things that's kind of ridiculous, and I, I don't know how we could ever change it, but some of the smaller towns, it only takes 10 signatures to get something on on the town warrant. I mean, that's a cup of coffee, you, you know, and suddenly you're affecting people's civil rights. So what we've been seeing um, ever, ever since, you know, the every town whatever has been around is that every year they try something a little different. And even a few years, they try something different in every town they launch it in to see if they can get something that's going to stick and and they go for it. But we've been successful so far in in every venture that we've had great, strong grassroots people on the ground in every community, and we've been able to fend it off. We just don't have those numbers in Wellesley and Newton. You know it's a yeah. dumb deal as far as we know. Uh, there is no debate, it's just going to happen uh because there's no opposition to them, and they know they're safe in their elections. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have to go to the courts again. It seems like that that's one of the things that the, the American public at some point has to get sick of, is that all of these politicians, whether elected or appointed, don't care. They're going to do what they want to do. Sue me. It's not my money. There's nothing coming out of my pocket, even if you win. I That's should right. Paid, you know, so yeah. at some point, the American public's going to have to address that issue that, you know, we're fighting our own money. And the people who are found guilty, they still go merrily along and collect their pension.
0: Yep, absolutely right. I mean, heck, we saw that last year with uh, Governor Charlie Baker trying to shut down gun shops as uh, non essential businesses, and a federal judge. Uh, put a stop to that ultimately uh, and said, no, you can't do that because you're depriving people of the right to keep and bear arms. But, you know, it's not like uh, the governor suffered any sort of financial sanctions for uh, for trying to put these gun stores out of business. Uh, tonight at 7 p.m., there is going to be a, a Newton City Council Zoning and Planning Committee virtual public hearing. So maybe the, uh, the the few Second Amendment supporters in Newton, I hope that they turn out for that uh, virtual meeting. I hope that they make their opinions known. Uh, but I have a feeling, Jim Wallace, we're going to be talking about this issue uh, in the not too distant future here and, and perhaps talking about a lawsuit filed against the city of Newton.
1: Yeah, we hope so. And, uh, you know, if I have my way to it, it'll be a, be a civil rights lawsuit, not just the zoning lawsuit.
0: There you go. Jim Wallace, executive director of the Gun Owners Action League in Massachusetts. Always good talking with you, sir. Thank you so much and look forward to doing this again soon.
1: All right, brothers. Talk to you soon.
0: I appreciate Mr. Wallace joining us on the program, and uh, yeah, we will continue watch what's going on in Massachusetts. I I, I am a little concerned that uh, this might turn into the uh, antithesis of the Second Amendment sanctuary movement. You know, we we've seen. Uh, Now, uh, what, 10 states, but hundreds of counties and uh, towns across the country uh, that have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. I- I'm afraid the equal and opposite reaction might be more towns like Newton and Wellesley, Mass, saying, uh, oh, yeah. All right, look, we probably can't ban gun ownership outright, but uh, we can make it as difficult as possible for you to legally buy a gun in our town. Uh, I'm sure that folks at to every town, Moms Demand Action, Brady, Giffords, the Biden administration. I'm sure that they would love to uh, make it much more difficult for uh, responsible Americans to exercise their constitutionally protected rights. All right, let's turn our attention, while ignoring, by the way, criminals, which is a great segue into today's recidivist report, along with our armed citizen story uh, in our good deed of the day. We've been talking about Newton, Mass. Let's talk about Norton, Virginia, where the uh, police chief shot. Over the weekend, uh, he remains hospitalized. He had gone out to a shoplifting call, just a shoplifting call. And when he got there, a uh, suspect opened fire on him. Uh, Thankfully, Chief James Lane was able to return fire and struck 35-year-old James Buckland of uh, Pound, Virginia. He has now been charged with attempted capital murder of a police officer, Uh, The suspect, at last report, listed in critical but stable condition, uh, Chief James Lane of uh, Norton, Virginia, uh, also airlifted to a local hospital, but uh, it looks like he is going to recover from his injuries. Uh, And according to the Herald Courier newspaper, the suspect in this case has a, quote, extensive criminal history in Wise County, Virginia. He also faces charges of use of a firearm in the commission of a felony, as well as possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Prior to his shooting, Buckland already had a hearing scheduled in Wise County Circuit Court for later this month, a week and a half from now, May May 20th, where he was going to be uh, facing a violation of probation charge. Why they waited, I don't know how many weeks, to actually haul him into court on a... uh, Probation violation, I don't know. It could be that the uh, pandemic maybe has slowed down the court system in Wise County. Wise County is a pretty rural area, so they may not meet. Court may not meet, actually, every day in Wise County. I know that's the case in uh, several other counties, uh, rural counties in Virginia. But regardless of that particular probation violation, sure sounds like Mr. Buckland had uh, quite the extensive criminal history. Not much time behind bars to show for it. Thankfully, again, the uh, chief of police in Norton, Virginia, looks like is going to be okay. He has uh, worked with the police department since 1996. He has uh, been the police chief there for a decade. Uh, you know, sounds like a really salt-of-the-earth guy, former president of the local Kiwanis chapter. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he will make his recovery. Um, but, man, there are a lot of questions about the suspect here and why the suspect was out in the very first place. All right, on to our uh, uh, armed citizen story from Harris County, Texas, where a woman who was being choked by her ex-boyfriend shot him to death, according to sheriff's deputies. This happened Saturday afternoon around 12.15. According to uh, ABC 13 in Houston, deputies say the 29-year-old woman called police saying that the man was at her home picking up his belongings when he, quote, got aggressive with her and started to choke her. And headbutter. She managed to get away from the 29-year-old man, grabbed a handgun that was inside the home, and that's when she shot and killed him, according to deputies. Deputies say that there were two children inside the home as well. They were in a different room from where the shooting occurred. The uh, kids are uh, okay. Looks like the uh, injury suffered by the woman, not life-threatening. Deputies, again, still investigating this. We don't have a lot of information, but at the moment this appears to be a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. We'll uh, follow up with any details Uh, As they emerge. Speaking of follow-ups, by the way, we've got a follow-up for you on uh, a a Good Samaritan story from last week, our our good deed of the day. This was a gentleman you may remember who saw a car accident in Ocean City, Maryland, and ended up jumping off of a bridge into the waters below when a two-year-old who was still strapped to her car seat was ejected from one of these vehicles and went over the guardrail and into the water. At the time, the Good Samaritan was anonymous. But uh, over the weekend, he actually came forward to start to tell his story. And, I mean, it is an incredible story. Jonathan Bauer said he'd been working on his boat. He was with his daughter. He needed to run an errand. And so he said, you want to come along? And they were going to stop at a taco place. So they got done with their errand. They're driving back. uh, And as they're driving on the Route 90 bridge... They were involved in this crash. Thankfully, neither of them were seriously injured, but uh, Jonathan Barris says he got out of his car to check. He got Ava out of the car as well, and he saw one of the crash victims trying to get out of the vehicle, so he went over to help, told his daughter, hey, stay where you are. As he's helping this person get out of one of these vehicles, he looked over the railing and saw a car seat floating on the water. He said it was, quote, almost picturesque. There's this little toddler floating on her back in the car seat, and then he sees the car seat, start to turn with the toddler still trapped inside. So he kicked off his shoes. He said he still isn't sure why he did that, but he kicked off his shoes, told Ava to call 911, and then jumped 25 feet into the bay below. As he's talking about this um, and describing what had happened, his daughter said that watching her dad jump off the bridge was the scariest thing that she has experienced in her life. Uh, Her phone was at 5%, thankfully still enough to make a 911 call. Operators told her that uh, dispatch had already been notified, that there were crews already on the way. Uh, She is looking down the water. She sees her dad pop up, has the little girl. Then she yells down, how are you going to get out? And he says, that's a good question. Well, there were other good Samaritans in the area, uh, an individual um, with a pontoon boat. Uh, arrived, was able to fish Bower and the toddler uh, out of the water. The girl expected to make a full recovery. Uh, seven others in the crash treated at hospitals and released. Jonathan Bower's wife Wendy said uh, she's not surprised that her husband did what he did, saying, "Quote: If you know him, you know that this is something that he would do." Well, again, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Jonathan Bower in Maryland. We thank you once again for your very good deed, and I'm so glad that we can put a name to that uh, good deed there in Maryland. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Burying Arms Cam and Company for this Monday. The good news is we it's just Monday. We're just getting started on the work week. So tomorrow, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking more about uh, uh, the DOJ proposed rule on DIY firearms, unfinished frames and receivers, redefining what a receiver is. Under the Gun Control Act of 1968, and the potential for legal action against this proposed rule. So make sure you're tuning in uh, to the next edition of Barron Arms Cam and Company. In fact, we'll make it real easy for you to do so. Just subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way, you'll never miss a program. Or you can subscribe to uh, Barron Arms Cam and Company on Rumble. You can also do that on uh, Amazon Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify soundcloud stitcher and of course the townhall.com podcast page until we talk again be well be safe and be free